All right, well, we're going through the Sermon on the Mount, and today uh, we get to this, uh, the end of chapter 6 here, and, you know, this whole journey, we've been on, this is week 15, so we've been going through chapter 5, we've just taken verse by verse, and what I've been discovering, what I hope many of us have been discovering, is that there is this way that Jesus can speak to the depths of what it means to live and to be human, and in such a gentle, uplifting way, help us see ways that we could live into a better kind of human experience. And uh, I am continually challenged uh, through these scriptures in just the most beautiful way. Um, I don't feel beat down. I don't feel uh, shamed. But it's just the way Jesus addresses things in our lives. It has this way of like in our own hearts and minds going, yeah. It could be better, and it should be better. And there's something about that that inspires us and inspires me. Well, today, I just want to be honest because um, people like me get up and we teach, and we act like, well, I, sometimes we act like it. Sometimes we could act like we have it all together, and we don't actually live human lives. And I just don't think that's helpful to, to you, and I don't think it's helpful to us to think that somehow we're uniquely different. Yes, we have unique gifts as pastors, but we're no different than you. We live human lives too. And so I think it's very important that we're honest and vulnerable about our own struggles, how these scriptures touch our hearts and touch our lives. Well, today, this is, Jesus is going to talk about worry. And can I just confess to you that this is something that I'm still growing in. Um, In 2019, we said yes to starting a church, a group of people, and I said yes to it. And from that point on, everything that could go wrong went wrong. And every time we hit some kind of obstacle to do this, um, I would feel this sense of fear and worry, like going, maybe you didn't make the right decision. And it just seemed like the longer we went, the more difficult it became for me to have confidence or trust in that this is actually something that could happen, but two, something that I was responding to that was the right voice, the right guidance in my life. And so I'm just going to go ahead and confess to you that along the way, fear and worry has has been um, just a battle for me. And here's what I've discovered. And early on, um, people would show up. The fact that they were showing up touched my soul in some way that began to help me heal and believe in something that I believed in months ago, but it just seemed like it was all falling apart and I couldn't control it. And then people would show up in different ways and they would engage or they would give up their hearts or their time or their presence in some way or would help in some way. And I just want you to know that it's been people's presence in my life along the way that has helped me heal, helped me learn what it means not to worry so much. And... uh, What I've discovered is that you can face the worst things, the most challenging things. Like, we live in our minds and our heads with just so much fear, like if this went wrong, or what if, or what if that. And here's what I've discovered, and I just want you to notice before we even read this text, is that we are much more resilient than we often believe. And I think sometimes worry gets the best of us and robs us of a better way Of getting there because what I've discovered and what many of us have discovered, we've had to face those things that we feared. 
And look at us. We're still here. We, we, we've made it. Somehow grace finds us, and hopefully we all find the support and people around us that help us get there. So before we even get into this, I just want you to know I've learned so much personally about this text, and I want to share what I've learned. Not that I'm, I fully arrived or I got it all nailed down, but this is what I've been practicing probably for a year and a half. And so I want to share what I've learned, and hopefully it might be an encouragement to you. But let's start with the words of Jesus here. Um, Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 25. And there, I'm going to read about nine verses. And then uh, I want to just break this down a little bit for us. Okay, let me begin reading here. Uh, verse 25 of chapter 6. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. Do they not sow and reap or store up, store away in barns? And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? I love clothes, by the way, so this is really speaking to me. Does anyone else love clothes? It's okay. It's okay. Um, I love shoes, too, since we're confessing. See how the flowers of the field grow. Do they, not, do they not labor or spin? Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall I eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all those things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Fascinating words that challenge me at the core of so many places of my life. And I want that. I want to not worry so much about things that maybe need to be put in a different perspective in my life. But let's just start here. Let's start with just... How helpful is it when someone says, don't worry? You know, you're like, you're going through something, and you have someone go, don't worry. How helpful is that just to have someone say that to you? So on the surface here, Jesus is saying, don't worry. It's like, really? Like, that doesn't help much. Because if I were to say, hey, everyone, don't think about an elephant. What are you guys thinking about, right? An elephant. So what, initially on the surface, you could go, well, now I'm worrying about worrying because to be a good Christian or to be someone that is faithful to the kingdom or faithful to following Christ is to be someone that doesn't worry, but I am worrying. So Jesus, when you say just don't worry, it actually makes me think about worry and worry more that maybe I'm not living up to. Does anyone have that kind of experience? Yes. But Jesus doesn't leave us here in this place because the point isn't that. The point is this. He goes on to say, which this becomes so helpful now. It's, okay, let's talk about what does worry do for you? Does, wor does worry really help? Does it really add 
some, something more to your life. So Jesus takes this thing and does, just doesn't say, don't worry, now leave, you know, go and don't worry. It's like, wait a minute. No, let's begin to ask some real questions about what does worry really do in our lives? Does it really save us from all the things that we fear? Does it really shield us from bad things going on in our lives? No. And what, here's, here's what I want you to see this morning. I actually think worry um, is something that's a part of the journey, but it can become this thing that all, begins to work against us, that begins to become this destructive force in our life that not only doesn't shield us from things going wrong, but actually makes life more difficult. Now, this woman named Corey Ten Boom, has anyone ever heard of her? Corey Ten Boom, I just love this name. She says this, she was a, she was, she's a Dutch writer, but um, in the Holocaust, she was helping um, find safety for, uh, for Jewish folks in the Holocaust, and then she got caught uh, by the Gestapo and actually spent time in a concentration camp herself. But she says this about this text on worry. She says, worry is carrying tomorrow's loads with today's strength, carrying two days at once. It is moving into tomorrow ahead of time. Worrying doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It empties today of its strengths. Is it possible that what Jesus is teaching us here, Corey Ten Boom, nails it, like boom, she nails it here, and goes, wait a minute, it's actually what worry does for your life. What is the real benefit of it? I think that's what Jesus is driving us too here in the text, to ask us real questions about that. Okay, but let's define some of our terms here. Fear is part of our survival. If you were to run out into the middle of a busy intersection and you're going to try to navigate across the street or across a, a highway, I hope you're going to have some fear. You're paying attention to vehicles coming by. Like there are these appropriate places for fear. If you encounter a bear in the wild, I hope that you would feel fear and you would react. But here's the thing about fear. Fear is this, it's this thing that moves us, that calls us to action. But it's not, it's not the state that we are to live in. Um, it's a part of how we're wired. But so often, fear is how we live our lives. So fear can move toward this thing that becomes anxiety. And anxiety is something that hangs around. Fear should be this thing that flares up quick, right? And we react to something, but then our body settles again. We're not made to live in a state of emergency all the time. And they teach us in that. Maybe some of you have heard in psychology um, the, the uh, sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. Like the sympathetic nervous system is this, it's that fear thing that you react quickly and all your adrenaline rushes and you go to this heightened state. And we need that in life to survive. So it is a part of the human experience. But we're not made to live in that sympathetic nervous state. We are made to move to this thing that's called the parasympathetic nervous state, which is we experience fear and anxiety, and then it moves to worry. And then what do we do? We hold on to it and we carry it. And it does all these kinds of destructive things to our body that we should pay attention to. So the, deter- the term that I want to define here is that fear comes and goes. Anxiety is something that lingers. So you can see the difference. Of course, there's things we encounter in life, and we should fear them, and we should be concerned about them. But there is a, a better way to live that invites us not to stay in that emergency state because it takes a toll on our body. So how do we help someone? How do we help ourselves if we feel afraid? Or how do we, what do we say to someone who is afraid? This is going to sound counterintuitive, 
But I would tell myself, and I would tell you, and I hope we would tell others, let's go right to the fear. What is it? Let's name it. Let's go right to it. Let's address it. Let's call it what it is. We don't run and hide from it. But one of the ways that we can overcome fear is to name it and to be in tune with it ourselves or to share it with someone else that goes, oh, wow, I can understand why that would be something that's fearful in your life. So the thing, what we're not being invited here to and not worrying is just to ignore the parts of our lives that bring up concern or fear or worry. No, we're being invited to pay attention to that, that maybe there is a better way to actually process that that Jesus invites us to. So uh, this, this writer said it this way about fear, and I think this is so helpful. She says, it seems to me that the less I fight my fear, the less it fights back. So like if we're trying to put it down and not name it or acknowledge it and we're just trying to repress it, it might actually be something that's much stronger and severe in our lives. But she says this, maybe the less I fight it, maybe if I just acknowledge it and confess it to other people that could be helpful to me, it doesn't fight back as much. She says, if I relax, fear relaxes too. And then this person in this book called Creatively Living Beyond Fear that I read several years ago was so helpful, Liz Gilbert. She says this, she talks to her fear. Fear, you can have a back seat, but you cannot have your hand on the wheel or choose the music. I think that is such a beautiful way of thinking about it. And she says she starts off any creative endeavor going, hey, fear, I know you're going to go along on this ride. Like, I can't escape it. I'm trying to do something creative and meaningful with my life. And so I'm not going to ignore you. You, you are going to be a part of this at some point. But I'm telling you now, I'm going to acknowledge you're here, and you can ride, but you're going to ride in the back seat and keep your hands off the wheel, and you will not choose the music. I think maybe that is a good way of perhaps describing what Jesus might be saying to us here and saying, don't worry. Yeah. So maybe facing our fear is a growth opportunity um, maybe the only way through something that I'm discovering is to actually go through it, not to ignore it, but to face it and to discover along the way that we're much more resilient, that there is a grace, there is a love, there is a guiding presence in our life called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is what animates life in all of us. That's wanting to guide us, to lead us to more thriving. So Jesus here, he reminds us hey, look at the living things around you. And this is kind of just what I want, to se- I want us to settle in on this morning. He says, look at the things around you. Look at nature. Look at the birds. Look at the wild flowers. So it isn't like just don't worry. He points us to something. And here's what I want to do. I want to show you this morning, I want to make the argument that there are ways that people are actually practicing this in um, design and in science and also ways that people are practicing this in theological ways. So, and then I want us just, we're going to settle in for a moment, and we're going to practice some of this right here. I'm not going to say, hey, go practice it somewhere else. I want to practice it right here in this room. But let me just give you, as Jesus says, turn to nature. I want to give you just how perhaps this works out in the world that we live in today. How many have heard of uh, biomimicry? Has anyone heard of that term before? Biomimicry? Fascinating. Um, Designers, you could, you could look this up on, um, at TED Talks. Uh, Janine, uh, what is her name? Uh, Janine Bennis. Um, she had a, how do you say it? Someone say it? Oh, Benyus, I think is how you say it. But anyways, um, she talks about this biomimicry. So here's what's happening with designers and, 
and scientists, they're going to nature, all right? And they're going, what can nature teach us about how the world works and how maybe we could solve problems? And Janine, she says this. She says, if I could reveal anything that is hidden from us, at least in modern culture, it would be to reveal something that we've forgotten. Now listen to what she says here. She says, we live in a competent universe, part of a brilliant planet surrounded by genius. Okay, now this is someone that's not doing this for theological reasons. This is someone that's doing this for design reasons. She's saying, look around. This is a competent universe. There's a genius to how this whole thing works. Um, it is brilliant. And so what designers and scientists are doing is they're learning how can this solve some of our problems. So Debbie, if you put up the, one of the ways they're doing this is with a kingfisher. Um, this is, uh, they dive into water and they catch fish. How many have heard of the bullet train? Japan started the, the bullet train. And what was happening is the, this bullet train would go into a tunnel and it would create this pressure with the way it was shaped. And it would come out the other side. It would have this sonic boom. Well, people in the neighborhood weren't real happy about that. This, is, I mean, this train is functioning and going very fast, but it was creating this hideous sound. And so designers go, well, they begin to notice that a kingfisher dives into water and does not make a splash. So they begin to look at the aerodynamics of how these birds dive into there, and then they design the bullet train in such a way that it would enter the tunnel, and it would come out, and it would not make the sonic boom. And even as they eliminated the sonic boom, they, defied, they, they discovered that that shape that they learned from the design of this bird actually created 25% more power on less energy. So yeah, this is biomimicry, learning from nature, the brilliance, the competence, the genius of nature, and then how that might play out and how we human beings live. A couple other ways, um, they're studying trees right now and how trees, uh, with, through capillaries, they take water from the roots and they go up through the trees and out, through, you know, out to every leaf and out to every limb without a pump. So designers are studying this and they're, they're thinking about maybe we could build buildings with some kind of capillary systems without pumps that pump water throughout the building. Yeah, these are, uh, you know, amazing ways that people are looking at nature. Another thing, there was a shark um, that they discovered it, it, bacteria would not stick to its skin. And so they're like, is there some kind of antibacterial chemical that this animal is giving off? And they began to research it. And what they discovered, it was the texture of its skin that the um, bacteria couldn't stick to it. So they began to design hospitals with this kind of texture to it, hospital surfaces and stuff, because instead of putting antibacterial on things that were becoming more and more, you know, they're not working as well, they created this system that bacteria won't stick to. So these are ways that people are looking at nature for a better human experience and creating design that make the human experience better. So that is just for science and design reasons. How about the theologically? Um, there is this uh, woman, Dr. Cheryl Bridges John, and she says connecting with creation, creation is so important to the human experience. And she says that we live, we have nature deficit disorder, is what she says. And that if people just looked out their windows as much as they looked at screens, they'd be much more healthy, much more um, have a sense of centering and, and grounding. So she is a pastor and a theologian, and she studies, you know, nature for a completely different reason. 
And so she says there are theological and practical ways that creation centers us and expands our souls. So here's the truth. This is what I'm discovering in my life, and maybe it's true for many of us here in this room. I do. I have a deficit of nature. I found myself this, this last couple of weeks as I was kind of thinking through some of this, finding myself more out on the porch and being fascinated with the wind blowing through the trees. Just going, hmm, wow. Just listening to the sound of it and the mystery of it brought this calming to my soul. Um, I don't get enough of nature. I've been practicing more. A couple weeks ago, um, my son-in-law went golfing, and I didn't have time to golf, but I'm going to go along for the ride just to sit in the golf cart and look at nature because there was deers all over the place. And um, Yeah, just to be in nature is something that actually expands our souls and gives us a centering and a, and a grounding. So, and, the, and they're discovering this, that just 30 minutes walking in nature actually on a regular basis stops human beings from ruminating. You know that monkey mind you get where it's just everything being played over and over in your mind? Like, what if? What if? What if this happens? What if I would have, that would have been different? And we find ourselves just in this place of ruminating and this constant monkey mind that they're discovering just taking a 30-minute walk in nature to pause, to look around you, is something that brings this calming and this centering to our souls and our being. Jesus was way ahead of his time. He didn't have the science or any of this to back up what he was saying, but man, was he in tune with what it meant to live these human lives in the way that we're made in relationship with creation around it. So now we have so many different ways that we're learning. What Jesus was saying was so right on. Okay, so how do we get into this grounding, into this soul expanding thing. I actually want to practice that this morning because I think one of the ways we do that is through just meditation and prayer, um, a pause, and obviously open our hearts and our eyes and our lives to look around at nature around us. Look at the competence. Look at the brilliance. Look at the genius. And if all that keeps working all right, somehow it brings this calming to my own soul going, I think I'm going to be all right too because there's something beautiful going on. Now, I want to read this to you, and then here's what we're going to do right now. We're going to spend about 10 minutes in a meditation together. I'm going to guide us. I'm going to put up on the screen because I know some of us are not going to have time to leave here, and so we're not going to go out and have a moment in nature. I hope we all do at some point soon, but we're going to put up uh, some nature on the background here. I just want to take 10 minutes to test the words of Jesus here. Because he doesn't just say, don't worry. He says, look at the created things around you. Maybe one of the ways that worry can find its proper, proper place in our experience of being human is just to see the way things around us are working. And seeing how that all works, the complexity of it, maybe we find more peace. But here's the way this guy said it. And then I'm going to lead us in a meditation here. All the beauty of the world, the beauty that calls our admiration, our gratitude, is meant as a scent, a scent, a set of hints, of whispers, of clues 
and suggestions and flickers of light, all nudging us into believing that behind the beautiful world is not random chance, but the loving God. I want us just take a few moments. And so uh, for me, posture is important. So maybe it's placing your hands in just a relaxing place. Maybe it's putting both feet on the floor. Um, and listen, you, I'm going to have up here on the screen in just a few moments, there's going to be some nature videos so you could focus on that. Um, if you need to close your eyes, you could close your eyes. But I want to give us an opportunity to experience the gift of what Jesus is teaching here. Let's not wait until we leave this place. Maybe we could begin to experience it right here, right now. So let's begin. Creation was the first Bible, friends. Before there was the written word of God, creation is what revealed God's character and that there was some beautiful, life-giving, loving force that had given us these gifts. So the same spirit that inspired the writing of the scriptures that we read, it's the same spirit that the Bible teaches was present at creation. So we could read and be in nature and be connected to the spirit. So I wanna read how one writer in the Bible says this. In Romans chapter one, the apostle Paul, he says this, the basic reality of God is plain enough. Open your eyes and there it is. Take a long and thoughtful look at what God has created and the mystery of his divine being. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, this eternal power and divine nature has been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. So here's what I want to do. Jesus says, take a look. It isn't just a quick glance, but perhaps it's a meditation. So I want us just to meditate here for a moment and just pause. If you need to look at the screen here, look at the screen. But just take a couple deep breaths and reflect on God's creation. like three in one 
there's this beautiful way that they relate. And then we have theologians and scientists that go, hey, the very structure of the universe is love. And guess what? The very structure of this thing we call Trinity, this three in one, it's love. It's this loving relationship. It's this mutually working together. So maybe we could say it like this, and I just want you to reflect on this for a moment. To assert that God is love is to believe that in love, one comes in touch with the most fundamental reality of the universe. And God, I just, I pray this as we just ask for your love, your competency, your genius, your trustworthiness to find God, you made the universe with all its marvelous order from atoms to worlds to galaxies to us as human beings. And I pray that you would grant us as we probe the mysteries of your creation, as we take the words of Jesus seriously, that it's just not don't worry, but look to how I'm at work in the world around you. And may we come to know you more truly and more deeply, that it would ground us in such a way that no matter what our lives face or go through, that there be a sense that the love that holds us all together, that holds the world together, that holds all the things around us in nature together, that it's trustworthy to care for us and to and that, God, this beautiful world that you made is not at all by random chance. But it's a reminder and a blessing of just how much your love is evident for us. Find our hearts. And help us find for a moment and I know this doesn't may not seem natural for some people how's that make you feel could we end maybe with how did that make some of you feel you could be honest maybe it was I'm not sure I believe in it I'm not sure it could work boy I wish it would but um, could we just have a moment before we dismiss maybe hearing from you what is it that you feel Maybe it's just a confession of, of some worry, or maybe it's somehow how you hope this might play out in your life. It's okay if no one wants to say anything, but I wanted, I wanted to give you the opportunity because this isn't, once again, this isn't a performance. It's about practicing this in some way. So, anyone? What made you feel what? Rested. Yeah. Peaceful. Calm. What was that? Light. Yeah. 
power that's higher than us. Yeah. The theologians talk a lot about how God is both um, eminent in the sense that he's deeply present within, but he's also transcendent. Like God is beyond the human experience, but also very much present in the human experience. I think that's what you're speaking to. Like sometimes I think we feel that it's all about our effort or all about what we do. And I think what you're saying, there are these moments when we don't have to carry the burdens and we feel a little bit lighter. Maybe there's something greater in us that helps carry them with us, right? Anyone else? I promise I'm going to dismiss us here in just a moment, but nature therapy. Say that again. A moment of peace amongst this world. kind of know it at the depths of our being and maybe we just don't the way our life is structured we don't have enough time to, to have that space so but we're hearing from people who do do it it works so all right I don't, I'm gonna I'm gonna close this here in just a moment but anyone else this is good it's good to hear from you yeah I know you make lots of videos in nature. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. We all have a creativity within us. Like, we've been given these lives to do something really beautiful and good with them. And it doesn't matter what your vocation is. Um, And you don't have to just be a musician to be creative. I think one of the things that we do when we follow Jesus is we're creative with our lives. Like, how can we best use what we've been given? And so um, my prayer is that we would all see our lives as a creative adventure. Scott, co-creating with God. Yes. Okay. All right, this is good. And we all, we're still under one hour, so I'm not, I'm not going to extend this any longer. I know you guys are going, I'm getting hungry. But um, I just want to say this. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be honest, I'm worried about this. I'm like, can we actually do this? Can we create space in a gym that would even give us an ounce of the sense of what that might feel like? And But sometimes you just go with it, and you learn and you grow, and that's what we're doing together in this space. So what a beautiful gift that, that we have to be together. Okay, today was worry. Next Sunday, we're going to get to some judgment. Jesus begins to deal with judgment. So we're moving into chapter 7, so you had it easy today. Next week, we'll... Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about judgment, and we'll see how we all feel at the end of that one, all right? But would you, please, would you please stand with me? My friends, my brothers and sisters, may you this week spend more time looking out your window, at least, than looking at, at just at computer screens. 
And if you have the time, could you take a walk? Could you sit on your deck and watch the birds, watch the leaves fall? Just put yourself in nature and open your heart to the loving presence of God. And then, listen, you come back to me and say, George, that did not work. And I will listen. But I think we're all going to have an experience where we come back on some level, on a cellular level, at a deep level, this touches our hearts and makes a difference in our lives. So may you experience the loving God in your life this week. Grace and peace be with you all. Have a great week. song I wrote, you might want to sing it note for note, don't worry, be happy, in every life we have some trouble, but when you worry you make it double, don't worry, be happy, don't worry, be happy now. Ooh.